Hi, this is Chris Date, and you're listening to the The Apologetics Podcast, episode 124, A Christian Dialogue on Voting Third Party, part one. Hello and welcome to another episode of the The Apologetics Podcast. Uh, I'm Chris Date, and boy, I gotta tell you that uh, I have uh, been more frustrated and upset by this election season than I have been in my entire life. Um, And for the first time as a voter, um, I really cannot comfortably vote for the party's candidate that I normally vote for, that being the uh, Republican Party. And some of my friends have noticed my frustration and, and, and share that frustration, and I've asked a couple of them to join me to talk about whether or not a third-party candidate is a viable option for those of us Christian conservatives that uh, that are feeling so disaffected this uh, this. This party se- or this election season, uh, and so I'm going to introduce those guests to you now, and, and then we'll jump right into a conversation about the third party issues and and um, and various things around that. Uh, I want to begin by introducing my friend of many years now. Uh, she has uh, done theology blogging and podcasting under the pseudonym Dee Dee Warren, but now as a political activist, she goes by her uh, her real name, <laughs> I guess if you want to put it that way, uh, Karen Ann. Harlos. She is a self-published Christian author, a 20-year paralegal. She's an open anarchist and a prolific Libertarian Party activist. She presently serves the Libertarian Party in the following capacities as communications director of the Libertarian Party of Colorado, social media team for the National Libertarian Party Facebook page. She's a board member of the Libertarian Party Radical Caucus, She's a member of the Advertising and Publication Review Committee and the National Libertarian Party, and she's a member of the Libertarian National Committee as Region 1 representative, representing nine states. In addition to the official party work, she often reports on Libertarian Party News and Arcana at Independent Political Report, and is known for an interest in Libertarian Party history, the intricacies of the alliance between party minarchists and anarchists, and for advocating a pro-life Libertarian uh, position. Karen, thank you so much for joining me today for this discussion. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Chris, for allowing me to rope you into it. <laughs> and that you did. I, I didn't think it would happen, but uh, our, our, our party options this year have kind of forced me down that road. Now, um, I build this conversation that our listeners will be hearing here pretty soon as a Christian dialogue on th- on uh, voting third party. And so, obviously, I'm making the uh, uh, the claim that all three of us are uh, Christians. And to that end, Karen, can you tell us a little bit briefly uh, about your, your, your testimony, your faith background? You don't have to go into the level of detail you and I have in the past. Um, people can listen to past episodes of the podcast if they want to. But maybe you could just sort of sum up what your faith background is. Well, I've been a Christian for nearly 20 years, owned a theology debate forum for a good portion of that time, have written a lot, and as you said, podcasted quite a bit and authored a book with a particular, my particular specialty is Christian eschatology. So just a lot of scholarly Christian studies that have caused me to change my opinions on a lot of things over the years, which I do think then ties into into this discussion, um, uh, theologically reformed 
preterist. Uh, and I don't, you know, I, I guess that would sum it up, though. And you would probably have noticed this over the years, too. And this may or may not be a selling point to your listeners. They may now start be thumbing me down in some of my political views. But you've noticed that over the years, I've, I've probably become a bit more um, theologically liberal than I than I used to be. But, you know, that's our that's our faith journey. It's funny you say that. I, I actually didn't know that and wouldn't have gathered that. Um, when you say, I mean, I don't want to go down this road too too far, but um, w- when you say theologically liberal, what do you have in mind by that? You know, uh, well, I would say, y- you know, I have a great aversion to fundamentalism, but and, and I don't want to start opening up hot topics, but I guess this will come in... Um, in 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 political in into the political discussion, um, and and you probably agree with me on some of these, and you wouldn't consider yourself a literal, a, 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 a more of a theological liberal. Um, God, how I'm sorry, there I went again. I used the Lord's name, and maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe that's an example. But I'm now I have a position where I'm open to women in leadership in the church, which you know I hadn't been before. Um, I've taken a position, and this will be controversial with with your listeners that we've probably misunderstood a great many of the passages that deal with homosexuality. And that is more of a liberal Christian issue. And I've been willing to look at passages in in more of a fashion that that centers upon the the fruits in our life towards other people rather than a very, very strict literalism. Now, do I still believe that the Bible is inerrant? I absolutely do. Am I still theologically reformed? I absolutely am. Um, This is just probably a movement more away from fundamentalism. And though my shifting views did assist into where I've come politically, so I guess it is somewhat relevant, but I, I would have thought you would have noticed that a bit, but Yes, that's I, where I'm at now. I guess I don't pay close enough attention to your Facebook wall. <laughs> uh, but but no, I mean, uh, it's it's not as if you're denying the inerrancy of Scripture. It's not as if you're um, uh, denying the Trinity or the deity of Christ. You know, I, I, sure, it's possible, particularly with one of those issues, you might qualify as a liberal in, in one specific area. But I don't, I don't think the others are the case. Uh, but anyway, I, I appreciate you being willing to answer that. I didn't mean to... Uh, to catch you off guard, um, where where have you historically fallen on the political spectrum, though, in, in terms of liberal versus conservative? And, and I mean that both socially and economically. And I, I want to maybe clarify some terms here. I do not call the left today liberals. Um, I think liberal is actually a very good word. And I did used to think it was a very good word, but I do now, and I think today's, what you're referring to is progressives. Mm. Um, but I was raised politically uh, on the left. My family were all Democrats, and you know, you kind of fall into what your parents were. And then when I became a Christian, I became a Republican because that's what Christians do, don't they? I mean, I was part of, you know, the Calvary Chapel movement, which had a lot of political overtones in it. And it was Republican political overtones. So I can't really say it was necessarily born of conviction, 
but it was what I thought was basically my Christian obligation, though I never was particularly passionate about politics. I hated politics. I actually still hate politics very much so. And for most of the time, I did not vote whatsoever. Um, maybe in the big elections, you know, like the, like the Christmas and, and Easter uh, Christians, I was the presidential election. <laughs> Uh, Republican. But most of the time I, I, I did. This is actually a true story. I, I kept a little trash can right by my mailbox and I took great joy in throwing out nearly every single ballot that ever came to me in the mail. So that is pretty funny where I ended up now. Like I told you in a prior discussion, God has such a tremendous sense of humor because where I'm at now, yeah, did not see this one coming. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think many of your fans didn't. Um, okay, well, I, again, really appreciate you uh, joining us today, and I'll turn now to my other guest and friend, uh, Chris Ray. Chris is a banker, a blogger, and a member of the Constitution Party. He has a Master's of Divinity in Church History from Liberty University, which, by the way, is where I'm currently earning my undergrad in, in Biblical and Theological Studies. And Chris is an avid reader, mostly of history and theology. Chris is a husband and father of two and believes that it is a duty of American Christians to work within the democratic process to ensure the preservation of liberty for all. Additionally, Chris sits on the National Conservative Council, a nonpartisan board which exists to educate Americans in conservative constitutional values, inform on relevant events and trends, and encourage active political engagement in order to expand the voice of conservatism as a defense against the advance of progressive ideologies. Chris, thank you so much for, being, uh, for joining us today as well. Oh, thank you, Chris. It's great to be on with you. So, uh, same question I began by asking Karen. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your faith background, your testimony, if you will, since, again, we are all Christians uh, discussing this issue? Certainly. I was born into a Christian household, so I grew up hearing the gospel and going to church. Uh, we had, were members of the Salvation Army, which is the denomination that I was in until I was 20 years old. Uh, so that really was shaped my early theological and spiritual life. Uh, very much Wesleyan Arminian denomination, and it's interesting uh, that uh, that Karen brought up women in ministry because the Salvation Army has, from the very very beginning, ordained women. Uh, so I grew up not realizing that there were people who had a problem with women in ministry. Uh, so that was <laughs> a, an interesting part of my my development uh, as I grew up. Uh, about four, about five years ago. Um, I decided finally to go to seminary. It's something I had wanted to do since I was 14 years old, uh, and I began going to seminary. And while I was in seminary, the one thing that I tried to make a concerted effort to do was to engage positions with which I disagreed theologically and to really read them and, and try and, and not caricature them, but to actually listen to the other side. And as a result, for the middle year of my seminary, uh, I was actually, I would have called myself a Calvinist, uh, starting out an Arminian, uh, being convinced of Calvinism, and then over the final year, year and a half of seminary, being convinced back the other direction. So it was very, very interesting. Um, theologically, I do have uh, some interesting quirks about me. Uh, as you and I have discussed before, I'm a conditionalist. I'm an Arminian, which I know you and I differ a bit on that one. <laughs> um, I do not have a problem with women in ministry. Uh, so I guess, uh, in Karen's words, I would be liberal in that sense. <laughs> uh, though, thinking of me uh, admitting any liberalism in my theology, 
uh, is it makes me uncomfortable because <laughs> yeah. I, I typically consider myself very theologically cons- conservative. Another thing that I always explain to people because it colors a lot of what I what are, my views are is that I am definitely a Protestant, solidly a Protestant with a very healthy appreciation for Eastern Orthodoxy, which is something I've done quite a bit of research on. Uh, so that was an interesting one for me. Mm. My Getting my MDiv in church history, uh, the period of history that I really love to focus on and really has driven a lot of my political aspirations is pre-colonial and uh, colonial and constitutional America. Uh, that's uh, a fascinating period to me, and I've done a lot of reading in it. Uh, I do some blogging about it, and uh, that that really drives a lot of how I look at the Constitution, how I look at liberty, uh, and how I look at the political involvement of individuals. Well, very good. Um, now, you say that you generally consider yourself very uh, theologically conservative. And by the way, guys, I would dispute the claim uh, that affirming women in ministry is liberal. I would say the reasons one has for affirming women in ministry are what would qualify somebody as liberal or or conservative. I mean, for example, I know uh, and have heard, you know, professing Christians argue that what the Bible has to say about women in ministry just don't apply today or that it's, uh, you know, um, or that they just were wrong. They were a product of their time or whatever. And these kinds of things I think are, you know, legitimately liberal. Um, but then there are conservative uh, egalitarians. I'm thinking of people like Philip Payne. I'm thinking of, what is it, Craig Keener? Or, I mean, there, there are conservative evangelicals who are, um, who would not consider this, I think, a liberal position. But anyway, uh, I'm going off on a tangent. So you, you said you're generally theologically conservative, where have you um, fallen politically in terms of conservative versus liberal, and and both socially and economically? You know, it's interesting because the very first time that I was involved in a political campaign, I was 11 years old, and it was George Bush versus Michael Dukakis. Uh, Our our fifth grade teacher encouraged us to get involved, and I went to my grandma and I said, Grandma, what am I? Am I a Republican or am I Democrat? My grandma said, well, we've always been Democrats. So I carried a Dukakis sign. Beyond that, I've been uh, very much party line Republican for my entire adult life, uh, entire voting life. Now, that doesn't mean that I've been a blind follower of Republicanism. Uh, We've definitely seen some gaffes in the Republican Party, uh, both presidentially, Congress, and locally. Uh, But on the issues, up until recently, um, I have I have been very very uh, very Republican in the way that I view things. Okay, well, thank you as well uh, for being here to join me today. I, I really appreciate having two people that are both friends, uh, two people that I've both been or am involved in ministry with, and uh, and two people who are much more politically informed than I am, at least when it comes to third parties, which is of course the topic of our conversation today. Now, we're, I'm going to talk to each to you in a minute about the parties that you respectively uh, are currently advocating for, and, and also about what has what drew you to them. But before we get to that, I want to talk a little bit about 
what at least for me um, was the motivator to consider something I had never considered before, which was the possibility of voting third party. Um, and, and really that, that dilemma is, uh, is captured by the sign, uh, the, the, the sign that I put in the background of the, of the ad for this, for this discussion, which is that kind of infamous nope and noper uh, <laughs> uh, yard sign where you've got you know, um, uh, uh, Trump on one side with nope under him and Clinton on the other side with noper. For me, um, I cannot countenance the possibility of voting for Donald Trump, and I am severely allergic to the prospect of voting for Hillary Clinton. And so I want to talk a little bit about that dilemma that I'm not alone in facing. And I want to talk first about talking, I want to start first by talking about um, the, the what is probably the easier um, I don't know how to put this. The, the easier uh, the easier candidate to explain why it is that we as Christians are probably not comfortable voting uh, for this person, and I'm, I'm talking about Hillary Clinton, um, particularly as you know conservative Christians for the most part. Um, this this shouldn't come as no surprise. Many conservative Christians, I think, are 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 of, have historically been opposed to voting for Democrat presidents. Uh, so so this will come as less of a surprise, perhaps, than the Republican candidate, and that's why I want to talk about her first. So, uh, Karen, turning back to you, can you share with us some of your overall thoughts about Hillary Clinton, what she stands for, what she um, what her platform, or at least the platform of her party, is? Some of the various issues that that you think contribute to why conservative Christians are not comfortable voting for her. And I need to give a, a obligatory disclaimer, and I just have to do this because of my, my various positions, that anything I say on this particular show is my personal opinion should not be <laughs> taken as the official position of the Libertarian Party of Colorado Amen. or the National Libertarian Party, because I might deviate in some sense, but I, I always have to say that, that that's obligatory, that these are our, our opinions are my own and the, a frustration you're going to have with me chris on the on this topic is i do not see that great of a difference between the two parties and i actually do not have this greater distaste for hillary than i do to donald um, i may actually be blaspheming here that in some sense i would i would say she's probably the the least of the of the two evils, though they're both evil, and I, I could explain why, but I have equal problems with both of them in different directions. I have, though, a problem with the with. I have a fundamental problem with um the whole political process to begin with. If I hadn't become involved with the Libertarian Party, I wouldn't be having some conservative Christian and angst over either of these two, I probably just wouldn't be voting. Mm. So, um, and, 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 and here's something else that might throw something into this, this thing here. And, and this also may solidify to you why maybe I'm a bit more, you know, liberal on uh, theological issues. I do not, I, I don't, I would have a difficulty answering the question as to why a conservative Christian would have a problem voting a certain way. I do not I do not vote as a conservative Christian per se. Um, so I do not I do not mix my politics and my religion. So I know that's a cliche and I could explain it more in there's some ways in which, of course, it's inevitable, but my objections to them aren't objections based upon my Christianity. They're just objections. Hmm. 
Okay, well, I mean, first let me just say, I actually, in case it wasn't clear, I actually agree with you. I consider Hillary Clinton to be the lesser of the two evils, which, as you pointed out, is going to be blasphemous to many of our listeners, perhaps. Um, but and, and that's fine. I, I understand that for you, your objections to, uh, to Clinton and the Democrat platform may not be um, as religiously motivated as perhaps it is for me. Um, but maybe just mention a few of the objections that you have to Clinton that you think maybe Christians like me, um, for whom, you know, our faith does inform how we vote. Uh, what the one, the, the objections you have to her that, that maybe we share. You know, I'm so so far from that, Chris, that, you know, you're almost like asking me what the color blue tastes like. Um, there are just general objections in that they are looking to, both of them are looking to grow the scope and power of government in such a way that it's just controlling our lives. And this needs to be a concern whether you're Christian or not. I suppose some Christians will point to the abortion issue, which, of course, is a, a hot button topic. And they will point to certain social issues that are hot button topics, perhaps. My, my problems with her aren't that she's socially liberal, which some people may say, it's but that she's socially progressive, which I think is just an extremely regressive, almost. The, the the Democrats have become the new Puritans. It used to be that you know you were worried about the, the um, you know the Republicans wanting to take away your your video games or the things you can't say or watch or but now it, it seems to be the Democrats that are wanting to do this and I'm wondering you know when this happened the the, the strange Puritan streak that they've gotten so I, as a Christian I can't. The, the issue is just there. The, both parties are just become extraordinarily terrible. They're 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 two wings of the same rotten bird. So to distinguish between the two, almost what is it? South Park said, "Oh my goodness, I might get in trouble with your listeners." Oh, I, I probably shouldn't <laughs> say. They they were saying, you know, it's basically choosing between one really offensive, disgusting thing and another really offensive, disgusting thing. Mm. Um, you know, do you want to get shot in the head or do you want to, you know, <laughs> you know, get, get your head chopped off with a machete? They're both pretty equally terrible options. Hmm. Well, well, how about you, Chris? It's talking about Hillary Clinton specifically as a conservative Christian. Um, and and I, I suspect maybe I'm wrong here. I'm sus I suspect maybe you'll have a little bit more to say specifically about Clinton, given um, the party that you're advocating for today, given some of its uh, principles and, and some of its platform. Can you are there any objections that you probably share uh, with people like me when it comes to voting for Hillary Clinton? Well, when it comes to, to Hillary Clinton and objections, you've really got two categories of objections. One are to the individual uh, Hillary Clinton herself, and the other is to the pro progressivism uh, in general. You know, with the individual, you know, we've got somebody who has, in my opinion, done very careless, illegal things and gotten away with it scot-free. Mm. We've got someone who has consistently lied and cheated every way that she can, and from the the view from the outside used her money and her influence and her power to, you know, simply have a get out of jail free card for all of it. Uh, that's part of it. But really the underlying issue uh, 
the bigger underlying issue is the progressivism and the progressive ideologies. If I may make a comparison, uh, and no offense to anyone who considers themselves theologically liberal, uh, but there is a particular stripe of what I would call theological liberals who try to who work to reinterpret the scriptures. Uh, you might see a reader response inter- uh, interpretation uh, where it's not what the original writer meant. It's how the reader interprets it, that the text finds its meaning when it's read, when it's presented in the community. And I feel that progressivism in a lot of ways does that with our constitution. They say, okay, it doesn't matter what it meant then what matters is how we interpret it now. And we see that in everything from the Second Amendment, you know, where we have, you know, an amendment there that allowed people to keep and bear arms to help prevent their government from becoming tyrannical. That the only government that behaved itself, according to the founding fathers, was one that feared the people. Because the natural inclination of government is toward growth, is toward getting bigger, and is toward tyranny and absolute power. So they put that in there as a safeguard. You know, now progressivism, you know, they would like to dismantle that because, well, you don't really need that for hunting. The Second Amendment was never made for hunting, and it had nothing to do with hunting in its historical context. Another major problem that I have with progressivism is on the abortion issue, which you mentioned. Uh, Eric Metaxas, a couple of days ago, uh, he's getting kind of famous for saying it now, said that uh, Planned Parenthood uh, loves Tim Kaine now that he's out of the womb. You know, and Hillary <laughs> Clinton, <laughs> you know, she she's often said that she would advocate abortion essentially until the, the child emerged from the womb. And those are things as a conservative and as a Christian uh, that I simply can't countenance. And I believe that the large government that progressive like Hillary Clinton advocate for is an enemy to liberty, not just something that's not great for liberty, but an active enemy to liberty. And I believe that as Americans, uh, especially those with some sort of a historical conscience, uh, we need to fight against and stand against. Where does she stand, in case any of our listeners aren't, don't know, where does she stand on, say, um, religious liberty, the, you know, the ability for, uh, for photographers and bakers and things to, um, to refuse to service certain um, arrangements that they disagree with, you know, uh, on, a con- on the level of conscience, or, or say, or say um, uh, pharmacists who won't, you know, uh, hand over the counter abortifacients, you know, um, or, and where does she stand on, on uh, the legalization of same-sex marriage, things like that? Would well, you like... Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, well, I'm sorry because I jumped into uh, – I, I wanted to reiterate some things that you had said, Chris. I mean obviously there there are personal character flaws. She she lied. Anyone else had done it, she they would be in jail. Um, those almost go, go without saying. I guess this just shows how jaded I am that to me it's like, yeah – Okay, you know, that is almost to be expected. So I, I, I think you and I are probably in complete agreement um, on, the, on the things that you said. I, progressivism is an ap- absolute enemy, enemy of, of liberty. Um, where you and I probably disagree is I think conservatism 
is as well. And that's probably where things will get a bit controversial. Mm-hmm. But I, I would agree. I would absolutely agree with what you said there. Now, where does she stand on religious liberty? Um, she, she, on those particular issues, she absolutely would want laws I, that would not allow people to make those kinds of decisions. But I have to tell you, Chris, that I object to the term religious liberty, actually. And again, this is, might not be making me any friends, but if you allow me to explain, I do not believe there is such a thing as simply religious liberty. There is individual liberty, and that liberty should extend to atheists. It should extend to people who don't want to serve pink-haired libertarians. It should extend to everyone. I do not believe in a special privileging of religion over other thoughts um every so i just wanted to make that clear that um to me the issue is a liberty issue not a religious liberty issue i i don't disagree with you but by the way when i when i talk about religious liberty i'm also talking about a religious liberty i'm talking about uh liberty of conscience you know the the ability to uh, the, the right to um to take actions based on your convictions uh maybe religious isn't the best adjective to describe that kind of liberty but it isn't atheists who's who are being forced to vote against their con- or, or being forced to act against their consciences it's it's people that are religious and that's why you know that's the way i characterize it may i chime in here of course for what i intended religious liberty may not have been the proper may not have been the best term uh it definitely uh works in with the things that have been in the news lately but i agree with you karen that liberty of conscience is probably a much better term of that uh, one of the things that I'm very fond of is quoting uh, or paraphrasing rather Roger Williams, who was one of the f- first early real advocates for liberty of conscience in early what would become America. And one of the things that Roger Williams said famously was that liberty of conscience means the freedom to be an atheist, the freedom to be a heathen, the f- freedom to not believe or to believe what you wanted. Uh, and the fact that the state has no jurisdiction uh, in the matter of men's hearts and their dealings with or without God. And I completely support that. I'm definitely not a theocratic conservative. Uh, Those are definitely out there, and I want to make it very clear that I am not one of those. Uh, (laughs) I would say you're probably in the wrong party, but I suppose we will get to that one then. We will. We'll, we'll, we'll get to the, uh, the specific parties that you guys repre- represent or advocate for a little bit later. Um, so, anyway, we, we, could, we could continue, I think, to talk at length about the problems with Hillary Clinton. I, I will just say that, you know, for the reasons we've discussed and others, I, I do think that, uh, that, that particularly as a Christian, but not exclusively as a Christian, it's really difficult to vote for Hillary Clinton. And, and by the way, just for those uh, for those Christians who are listening who actually think that the Democratic platform and Hillary Clinton are, in fact, uh, you know, pro-Christian in certain ways, you know, it's often said that um, that it's a matter of priorities, um, that that conservatives elevate certain uh, Christian principles above others, and that uh, 
that uh, progressives elevate other Christian principles over over others. I actually don't buy that. So take for example um, the 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 desire to care for the poor and the, and the oppressed. I don't think that Democrats and progressives have any sort of um, uh, you know uh, I don't think they elevate those kinds of principles any higher than conservatives do. It's just that conservatives don't want um, to rob from or at least in general don't want to rob. Uh, from some people in order to uh, provide for um, for the poor and for the oppressed, uh, I, I think that they want to enable those kinds of people to um, to learn to learn and be educated and learn how to provide for themselves and to make that possible and they want to uh, and they want to you know particularly those of us who are christians we, we want to, our churches to provide for those kinds of needs um, so I, I really think that um, from my perspective anyway, and it's just my personal opinion, I don't think that the that the Democrats and progressives have any sort of Christian principles that they uphold better than conservatives do. Um, I just think that uh, Democrats and progressives are willing to use the force of law to um, to rob people to make those kinds of things happen and punish people that aren't willing to do those. And I just don't think that that's, that's right. But anyway. Um, Be careful, Chris, you're sounding awful libertarian because it almost sounded like you said that taxation is theft i think that taxation uh for improper uh without proper justification taxation for improper um uses of those funds is um is theft i don't think that taxation at all is theft but that's something that we could talk about when we start talking about the libertarian party um Let's let's turn, you know, in the interest of time, let's then turn to Donald Trump because, um, you, Karen, you and I have both now said that we are committing what in the eyes of many is blasphemy because we actually think that Donald Trump is the worst, uh, the, the worst candidate as compared to Hillary Clinton and, um, you know, the, the, wor- the, the greater of two evils. And as the Republican and as somebody who at least claims uh, to want to uphold the rights of the unborn, um, claims to want to uphold some of the principles that we hold dear, uh, it might come as a surprise that, that we would consider him to be the greatest of evils, of the two evils. So, Karen, tell us some of the reasons why you think that that's the case, But you know, when it comes to Donald Trump specifically. I can. Um, and some of this is strictly practical. With Hillary, she's a typical politician. She has lied. She's done a bunch of terrible things. But you want to know what? She's a typical politician. I think what we could expect from her is typical politician stuff. And things won't get that much worse and they won't get any better. It'll be business as usual. I think we know what we're getting with Hillary. I might not like what we're getting, but I know what it is that I'm getting. Mm. Um, Donald Trump, um, I think, is 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 a narcissistic, unpredictable person that is not it, 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 I just you know the the the, the vainglorious ego generalities that make it all about himself I think are extraordinarily dangerous and very unpredictable and the the stirring up of the animosities between groups. Now, I know Hillary does this a bit as well, but she kind of does it in the way that it's been done for 20 years. This um, very strange, intense nativism that in jingoism that Donald Trump inspires, I think is way more dangerous than anything that, that Hillary is doing. And the, the, you know, these ideas of, of the walls and the, the us versus them. And 
it's almost hard for me to put my finger on, but when I watch it, I see a, I, I see almost like a religious leader, like a cult forming, a cult of personality around him that transcends politics into a type of strange reverence that makes me extraordinarily uncomfortable. And I don't like making references to other bad historical, you know, figures to go down, you know, weird paths. But I think this is the way atrocities happen, um, that you start getting around this kind of dynamic, divisive, baiting between people groups that can lead to, uh, you know, it's, it, I, I don't want to say he's the type of guy who's going to come and put Muslims in internment camps, but it is this type of lead uh, of, of thinking that does lead to similar things like that. Not that I'm saying he would do something like that, but when we look back in our history, the fact is we've done terrible things like that. And you have to stop and wonder what kind of fever was aroused against ordinary people that made them capable of countenancing things like that. You and I have had this discussion before about the South. We like to think today that we're much different people, but we're not. If we lived in the pre-Civil War South, there's a good chance that some of us would have been okay with slavery. Well, what was it that warped people's minds in that way? And that's the potential I see with Donald Trump and why I do not, do not care for him. Um, as far as these, this type of mentality that he is bringing in, it's a, it's 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 this this Americanism on steroids that is not a healthy love of country. Hmm. Chris, what about what are your thoughts? Wow! Can I just say a hallelujah and an <laughs> amen to everything that she just said? Um, Karen, I think that you and I are peas in a pod as far as this issue. Uh, everything you just said, I have been saying uh, to every conservative who calls me a Hillary supporter for not loving Donald Trump, uh, which there's a lot of them. Um, let me share. I've got something that I've been putting together. I'm working on a, a, an article for my blog. And let me share uh, what I've written here. And I think it will help kind of uh, give, give my opinion on the two. Uh, with Hillary Clinton, I've argued we know what we'll be fighting. Sound similar? Uh, <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> with Trump, his instability of character and, uh, and his instability on issues makes him a Pandora's box whose real contents yet remain a mystery. On the one hand, we have a progressive Democrat who thinks herself above the law who believes that any woman should be able to kill her baby at any time prior to it landing on the delivery table, and who will work tirelessly to turn America into a socialist, progressive, amoral, Saul Alinsky-inspired state with a government as big as her opponent's ego. On the other hand, we have an iron-fisted, constitutionally illiterate, big government megalomaniac whose xenophobia and bigotry are only matched by his immorality, misogyny, and legal troubles, including the seeming credi seemingly credible accusations of raping a teenage girl. With Donald Trump, we have someone who, unless we were fighting Hillary Clinton, I believe every right-minded Christian would say, holy cow, 
how in the world can you imagine that this guy would be a good leader of a classroom, much less a country? Uh, we have someone who's consistently proven that he takes stands on issues for his own political advantage rather than out of a out of a uh, convinced conscience. We have someone who, in his record-breaking length presidential or nomination acceptance speech, sounded more like a totalitarian dictator than like a potential president for the United States. We have somebody who inspires such cult-like awe in his followers that we have ostensibly respectable institutions like the GOP, I know that's arguable, uh, (laughs) bullying people, cornering people in bathrooms, threatening them that they better not make trouble and try to vote their conscience for someone other than the candidate. And these are things I have first and secondhand reports of. We've got somebody who is wholly unfit on a moral level, on a, an educational, constitutional level, and on a political experience level, not to mention not having the temperament, uh, in my opinion, for holding public office. And yet we have this entire class of my former comrades in arms, if you will, in the, in the GOP, who are just so terrified of Hillary Clinton that they will swallow the cyanide pill to avoid the arsenic. Yeah. That's, that's, that's exactly, that's exactly true. And I I actually was trying to be temperate in my views because I'm, I'm trying to be cautious that I don't know these people personally and, and, as a Christian, you, you would appreciate this, that I, I really take it to heart that I don't want to slander anybody, but I'm, I'm highly uncomfortable, but I think you, you, you nailed it. We know the bad we're getting with Hillary. We have really no idea. She is such a loose cannon and in a bad way that I would – it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. I'll take the devil I know any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Absolutely. Yeah. And what's more, what's more, and this is really what I've been ruminating on a lot this last week. I used to say that, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. We're going to get junk over here or junk over there. But I believe really one of the bigger dangers, even if Trump doesn't – become a Mussolini or, a, you know, whoever you like to compare him to. One of the biggest dangers in Trump that we don't have with Hillary is that I believe a Trump presidency would do irreparable damage to a large swath of the anti-progressivist movement in this country. Mm. And I think that that's something that is, is a really sobering thought, because if supposed conservatives... And, and not everybody likes that term, but if, if the right, rather than the left, if the right places this person at their head and he takes the reins, the large parts of that movement are dead. They've lost all credibility. 
Yeah. Uh, and that's even if he does a decent job in office, which I have have doubts about. Yeah. Uh, let, let me chime in briefly, too, and just say that, uh, you know, Karen, you say you want to be careful not to slander anybody. And I've actually had people on Facebook tell me that I'm judging a person's character uh, apart from evidence. But but I don't think it is slander. I think we have a long history, a long historical record to go by repeatedly, even in this election cycle, um, mocking and making fun of men and women for their appearances and for their biological functioning. He makes fun of people with disabilities. That I, I can't tell you how rubbed raw I was when I saw him making fun of that reporter with the um what is it cerebral palsy or something like yeah. that when he yeah that was that was detestable um making fun of women for their menstrual you know functioning um just constant making fun of people and and it goes it, it's it it's goes to physical violence as well when when the when the um when the protester at the Trump rally or whatever got punched in the face Trump offered to pay for the guy's legal fees. Um, the guy engenders uh, vitriol and um, you know mania and uh, like you guys have said, us versus them mentality. He thinks it's okay to mock and make fun of people. Um, and I understand that some, that Christians don't like how marginalized uh, Christians are becoming increasingly becoming when it comes to the public square. I get that. But, I, but I've said to people now for a while, I would rather we Christians be the ones who are persecuted and mocked and, and marginalized than women and my own minorities and people with disabilities. Um, that's what we're called to be as the church, as people who are persecuted and marginalized and so forth. Um, and, and so for me, it really does come down to character. And, and here's the thing. When it comes to virtually all the different kinds of political issues we could discuss economically, um, you know, when it comes to foreign policy, I don't think we're going to get much different between the two of them. But, but when it comes to character, specifically hypocrisy, um, I I am extremely more concerned with Donald Trump because you know, the in the New Testament we are cautioned as Christians about uh, we're cautioned against fellowshipping with professing Christians who are uh, wolves in sheep clothing, who are professing to be Christians, but we're not living out a Christian lifestyle and we're teaching false uh, teaching falsely and so forth. Um, the pagans were just to expect them to act like pagans. And so when somebody like Hillary Clinton, although a professing Christian, nevertheless makes no, you know, gives no indication, makes no effort to appear as though she's genuinely evangelical or conservative or anything. Um, that doesn't concern me as much as when, um, as when I see somebody who claims to be a, a friend of evangelicals, you know, somebody who claims to be more a born again Christian who, you know, has, uh, is reaching out to hundreds of evangelicals, um, to try and advise him and so forth. He, this guy is, is using evangelicals and is pretending to be a Christian just to get votes. And, and, and that says a lot to me about his character and it really concerns me. Anyway, we don't have a whole lot of time left in this, what will be part one of two or three different episodes. Uh, and so I want to move on, but I do want to ask sort of two really quick last questions about the two parties before we talk about your respective parties. Um, some people have said that, that Donald Trump can be kind of like the King Cyrus to who evangelical to the evangelicals. Uh, let me put it another way. He can be to evangelicals what king cyrus was to israel a pagan uh you know not at all upholding godly ideals but nevertheless um 
but nevertheless, somebody who will fight for our rights in a way that maybe the Democrats would not. How do you guys respond to those people who would um, m- compare him to Cyrus or, or some other similar figure and say, it's okay, go ahead and vote for him because he may not be an uphold, you know, a godly ideal, but nevertheless, he's going to protect uh, the rights of Christians. Uh, Karen, let's turn to you first. I have a big problem with taking these um, Old Testament parallels that you could almost, you know, warp to, to fit any any person that you're looking to justify. Um, he gives absolutely no no fruit of that. He he actually is selling Christians on a religion, but it's not Christianity. He's selling them on on. You know my view, Chris, that the American church has made an idol of the state, has made an idol out of the country, and he is really selling them on that particular particular slice. If we're going to start comparing him to pagan kings, I would say he's a pagan king leading us into more idolatry, and he has a messiah complex to boot, which is just not not a good thing um i would say anyone who is going back to the cyrus example to try to justify donald trump is is doing just that they realize something is wrong and they're trying to use the bible to justify it um that that to me is just it's unfathomable but then again you know that one of my you know i i don't have a requirement in a, in a political leader that they they be a christian sure. um so maybe this would be more persuasive to someone who's who's looking for some kind of religious justification but i see absolutely no parallel here yeah. i mean what 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 christian fruit at all is he showing if that is you know what what the standard is the, there's none and i hate to say this and, and either of you two may disagree with me i think part, and this to me is to the shame of the church i think part of the reason some i don't want to slander christians either that some christians like him so much is because they they dislike and do not have a heart for muslims and mm. his, his his anti-muslim rhetoric is appealing to a certain a certain unsavory streak that is running through the Christian church where we have a deep, I don't even know the right word, but it's not a Christian attitude towards the Muslim people. I agree with you. And um, I'll just add my two cents that there's a big difference between serendipitously benefiting from the, um, uh, from what a person like Cyrus would do for Israel, you know, if, if they want to compare what Trump would do for evangelicals, there's a there's a big difference between serendipitously benefiting from that versus actually outright voting for such a figure. I, I cannot see the people of Israel being like, hey, you know, we'd love for you to be king, um, even if they might happen to benefit from him as king of Persia, um, if my uh, Old Testament history is correct. So anyway, I don't I don't find that to be very persuasive. But there is another one. And I'm going to turn to you, Chris, to answer this question. The other let, let's let's say, uh, well, Two of us here have said that Trump is the worst of the two evils. I don't know if you share the same opinion, Chris. I don't remember if you've said so. But regardless, you know, whether our listeners are people that think Hillary Clinton is the worst of two evils or whether they think that Donald Trump is the worst of two evils, we are here to talk about voting third party. So what do you see as the uh, – how how do you respond to a Christian who says that voting for one or the other is their attempt to vote for the worst of two evils while they're sort of holding their nose? Wow, and I had so much fun to to go with the with the Cyrus question. Oh, you can comment on that too. Um, <laughs> well, you you basically took my comment. It's a silly argument. It's an argument with no reason to 
believe its validity. Mm-hmm. It's as if I'm saying, you know, God, I'm going to go out and sin, but I know that you take what man intends for <laughs> evil and use it for good. Right. So, man, I'll sin more so that grace will abound more. <laughs> you know, far be it for me to say that. You know, let's go run David Duke for president if that's the case. You you, and, that, you you said it much more eloquently than I did. Thank you. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe God will really bless us then because we're going to p- pick the very, very worst guy to be our leader. Another very uh, bad part of that argument that you touched on a little bit is Cyrus was a conqueror. Mm. Cyrus was not chosen by the Israelites. They didn't say, hey, Cyrus, come come take over our country. Cyrus was a conqueror who God, as the scriptures tell us, raised up in order for this purpose. This To say that about Trump is to, in some ways, I believe, blaspheme God and to say, I know what God is doing here. You know, if you've got that line on, on you know, of a prophetic voice, you know, we really need to talk, you know, because yeah. we could go win, win the lottery or something. Um, and now I've gotten off track here. Uh, but you, you, you talk, you asked your question about people who say you've got to either vote for one or another. Is that correct? Yeah. But because they're, you know, you got to vote for the lesser of two evils. What's your response to that reason for voting for one or the other? My response to that is that I believe as an American citizen, my vote is my bond. My vote is me saying as a citizen, I believe that this is right for America. I'm not choosing, I'm not taking a fork in the road and taking left or right because I have to move forward. I'm saying this is the one I pick. This is the one I'm going to cast my lot in with. And, you know, we could pull precedent from precedent. You know, Alexander Hamilton was very famous for talking about the fallacy of that. Uh, and he was debating between jo- uh, Thomas Jefferson and John Adams and saying they both suck. I can't vote for either of them. You know, there's plenty of precedent for this. And, and it's a very common and unfortunately, I believe, very weak argument. And I think that it comes from a underestimating of the sovereign responsibility that you have over your vote. Okay, but let me play the devil's advocate for a second because I, I agree with you. I, I, I'm increasingly to the point where I, could, I can't even countenance voting for Clinton either, even though I don't think she's as quite as bad as Donald Trump. But um, I don't think – I think we're fooling of ourselves if we think that we are going to be in complete agreement with, every, with absolutely every single detail of either party – any party's platform or its, or its nominee. Um, I, I like Gary Johnson for some reasons, and I despise what he and the libertarian platform stand for and others. Similarly, I like what some of the Constitution Party and, and, and its nominee uh, stand for, uh, but I really don't like some of the other ones that I've seen. Um, and the same could be said about Republicans. I don't know that I could say the, say the same thing about Democrats. But the point is, is that how if it isn't voting for the least of multiple evils – how how can somebody who doesn't agree with everything that any one party holds to, how could such a person vote for anybody? Because there's a difference between saying, I believe this person will be the ideal candidate for America, that they will be perfect for America, which is the straw man that's set up in that argument, 
There's a difference between saying that and between saying, I believe that this person, although flawed, will be good for Mm. America. And I cannot say that about Donald Trump. I cannot say that about Hillary Clinton. I could potentially say that about either Daryl Castle, who I've spoken with personally on several occasions, uh, or Gary Johnson, though I have reservations in each camp, uh, which we can talk about later. If I may insert here, because I would hate for our episode one to not have this, uh, similar to what Karen said, uh, the views that I hold are my views. And they are in flux. They're in analysis in this highly combustible election period. They're not the views of Reclaim DC. They're not the views of the GOP exodus movement. They're not the views of the National Conservative Council. There, I've put my little disclaimer in there. (laughs) All right. Well, listen, um, as I have lots of experience with this has gone on a lot longer than I thought that it would. I'm terrible at estimating time. And what I thought would be one third of an hour long conversation has turned into an hour long conversation all on its own, just about. Uh, and so with each of your permission, I think what I'd like to do is split this into a two or a three parter. Uh, and we'll pick up next time with talking about the specifics of the libertarian party, uh, and the specifics of the constitution party. And then we can move into sort of a comparison between the two and more general third and, and, and other, uh, well, minor third, however you want to call it party considerations. Uh, what I'd like to do before I let each of you go, however, is, um, ask each of you where listeners can go to read more more about uh, you individually and, and the, you know, the, the, um, the sites that you're involved with, uh, the, the Libertarian and Constitution parties, if they want to read up on them, the candidates, Daryl Castle and, and Gary Johnson, any kind of links that you'd like listeners to check out between now and next episode, um, share those with us. And, and Karen, maybe you can start first. Um, sure. As far as me personally, you can find me on Facebook. That's the, the best way to find me. And as you've already noted, it's pretty much all libertarian all the time. So you will get more, <laughs> more than more than you wanted to know, potentially. Um, but I, I would highly suggest that people go and review the respective platforms of both the, of both groups that we're discussing here. So the Libertarian Party site is lp.org. Uh, and there is a very interesting article, and, uh, and there's one actually put out by the Constitution Party and one put out by the Libertarian Party. And if you just type in Libertarian Bar- Party versus Constitution Party, you'll cut, one of the first hits will be an article on both sites. Um, and it really does give some good background foundation, and I would and I would recommend that. Um, I would also recommend the Libertarian Party's main Facebook page, um, where you will get a good a good smattering of articles about Gary Johnson, but also about our other candidates, because we like to focus on what I call the beauty contest, which is <laughs> you know the main the main event. But the down ticket candidates are just as important, and I would be remiss not to be directing people in that direction as well. So. 
that is where I would refer people to, but I would ask them in these intervening, intervening, whatever period of time, as they review the two platforms to ask what you really think that the role of government should be. And if you're thinking that the role of government should be to enforce a certain type of social structure that you happen to care for as a Christian or otherwise, realize that that means that you are giving the power of government for when you are not in the ascendancy, some group you may not agree with their social structure to put the boot on you. A saying I like to say is that, you know, right now, Christians, I obviously believe in in liberty and freedom of conscience. But something I say to Christians that they do not like is that we are what we are getting right now is as good as we gave. We are getting as good as we gave. Be careful what you ask for. If you want the government to enforce Christian morality on people or certain things that we have in our own head as the standard of right or wrong that may not be violating the natural rights of other people. Remember, that is how the progressives came into power, and they're just doing to us what we have already done to them and really, really consider what it is that you're asking for. All right. Now, Chris, uh, I was just going to ask you for links to the Constitution Party for our listeners to check out between now and part two. Uh, but since uh, Karen took the opportunity to give a bit of a, uh, a final parting word as, as something to th- be thinking about between uh, now and when we start talking about party specifics, maybe you have a, a quick final parting word or two as well um, to have least, to give listeners some things to be thinking about between now and when we talk next. Well, let me start off with a couple of links here. Uh, if you want to check out my blog, uh, which is all about God, culture, uh, America, politics, and book reviews, that is patriotprinciple.com, uh, patriotprinciple.com. You can also check me out on Twitter at patriotic underscore Chris. And uh, online, if you want to go to Check out the Reclaim DC movement. You can simply search for Reclaim Space DC, and there's a great group on there for that. You can also search hashtag GOP Exodus, all one word. Uh, you'll find a lot of my tweets and a lot of those from other people involved in the movement and in parallel movements. For the Constitution Party, uh, you can go to constitutionparty.com. Uh, and read quite a bit on there. There's extensive uh, principles and platform and policy issues. Uh, one thing that I, I want to talk about with the Constitution Party, and this was a, a big one for me, is I am a liberty of conscience guy. I am a liberty guy, period. And uh, quite frankly, for reasons that I'm sure we'll get into next time, uh, there have been parts of me that's really leaned toward libertarianism as well. Um, reading the platform planks on the Constitution Party website, I was thinking to myself, you know, are they wanting a theocracy? They're not outright saying it, but really the stuff they're advocating there, I could see people taking this one step further and really going toward a theocratic government where they're legislating Christianity, they're legislating immorality. And what I have found and I'll tell you how I found this. I found this through several conversations with their national party chairman, Frank Flukiger, uh, through conversations with their presidential candidate, uh, Daryl Castle, uh, and others who are involved in the party. I have not found anyone who I can honestly say I believe feels that way. 
uh, that's my little little blurb in there, and I'm sure I'll put my Daryl Castle interview uh, up on my website eventually as well. Uh, but I would I would recommend people go on there and read their seven principles. Uh, their principles, which are are big ones for me: life, liberty, family, property, constitution, states' rights, and American sovereignty. Uh, those are big ones in there. Um, I will say that uh, there are some things in there I don't see 100% eye to eye on. Uh, but for where I stand politically and spiritually, which I am not able to separate because I'm an integrated human being, uh, but I also understand that real liberty of conscience needs to be liberty for everyone and that a country ought not to be ruled as a, the- as a theocracy or by biblical principles just for the sake of them being biblical principles. I don't believe that that's American. I believe that that's very un-American, in fact. Uh, And from my research with the Constitution Party, uh, I would say that they feel that way as well. May I add something, Chris? uh, I'm going to reserve the right to cut it out if it's... (laughs) It's a a resource. It's a neutral resource. Okay, all right. It's a neutral resource. As you mentioned earlier, I'm an editor at Independent Political Report. That that site does not exist to um, promote. It, it exists to educate on on third parties. I would suggest that people go to that site and put into the search box Constitution Party and put into the search box Libertarian Party and read some of the articles, which will have the words of the people in the parties themselves. Um, in that, and I'm saying that this, it's completely, the articles speak for themselves. I'm not advocating for one or the other. I'm advocating it as a great, as probably one of the best sites to get information on third parties and not just these two. You'll hear about parties that you never even knew existed. It's fascinating. Okay. Well, I've enjoyed this part one where we focused on the two major parties. Next time we'll talk about the two third parties that you guys uh, are advocating for. In the meantime, thank you guys so much for your time. I really appreciate it, and I hope that uh, listeners will be intrigued and check out part two. Thank you guys very much. Thank you. Thanks, Chris.